0: Hello and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's sermon. Our speaker today, Miss Alicia Pizarro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alicia and and I and Anna met like, man, four years ago, in Astoria, Queens, uh, we had a mutual friend, Neo, who was, we were at Hope Astoria at the time, connected us, and then when Hope Brooklyn started to um, develop and materialize, the rest was history, essentially, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, In addition to being our uh, justice ministry coordinator, um, Alicia is a tremendous friend, Um, and what I love about Alicia is that her fieriness for what she believes in is matched by an equal kindness and love for people. And um, she has been a tremendous friend to Anna and me. Love that we get to lead this community together. And she's here to help us continue our home series today. Um, Give it up for Alicia one more time. Thank
1: Thank you, Russell. Um, so hello, everyone. (laughs) So, um, I'm supposed to start by talking about what I was asked to speak about. Um, and when Russ initially asked me to speak, even without knowing the topic, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was both humbled, um, and utterly unsure as to whether or not I could step into that request on his behalf. Um, And he said, well, just meet me for coffee. And I said, okay, I like coffee, we can have coffee. Um, So we met up um, and he told me about the topic. And um, I said, okay. I'm pretty sure that's literally what I said. Okay, with that same inflection. (laughs) Um, And then I went home. Um, This was probably the end of November and I prayed about it and I prayed about it and I prayed about it. And um, here we are today. <laughs> um, so why don't we all pray together before I get started? Um, Father God, I just wanna start by thanking you. That's kind of been on my heart a lot recently. Just thank you, this immense gratitude, Lord God, for your presence and for what you're doing and you know, be it those things that we see and those things that we don't see. Just, just thank you, Lord. Um, I'm so grateful to be in this space, to be in this community, And I pray, Lord God, that today um, your spirit would be present, Lord God, and that I would just be a vessel for your word, Lord. Uh, In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So I'm supposed to start by introducing myself also, um, but I think that to know me is to know my family. Um, So I'm going to start by talking about who my family is and some of the most important parts of my family are here today, and I'm grateful to them for that also. Um, so on my father's side, um, I am the I am a granddaughter of the Great Migration. Um, so for those of you who don't know what that is, um, starting in like the late 1800s all the way through to the 1960s, black people were kind of mass exodusly moving out of the South um, for various reasons. And my grandmother, Rosa May Hall, she left Alabama in 1961 in search of a better education, um, and better work opportunities. Um, She tells me stories of working in cotton fields in Butler County, Alabama, of being called the N-word routinely, um, and she took that as a sign to come up here to the Big Apple. (laughs) And she came to New York with the dream of marrying a nice man, as she said it, and having 20 daughters. (laughs) That was her goal. Um, funnily enough, she ended up with two sons, <laughs> um, one of whom is my father. Um, and so, as a little girl, I remember going to one of my grandmother's graduations. I still don't remember what for. Um, and I also recognize that in that moment, I didn't understand the momentousness of that occasion because she set out to come here for that very purpose um, and she achieved it. And so, I get it now um, and I'm very proud of her and very grateful for her strength. Um, And so my father, he also has a really interesting story. Um, He was a part of the integration of the New York City public schools. They were very segregated despite us being in the north and he was a part of that process of integrating public schools here in the city. Um, And from the photos that I've seen of him as a teenager, he was one of the coolest people in the world, okay? I'm talking high top face, sunglasses with no lenses. He was (laughs) cool, okay? (laughs) You wanted to know, Todd Hall. (laughs) Um, But based on his experiences, um, he instilled in me and my sisters the importance of an education, um, the importance of hard work, and the importance of doing what you can for who you can. Um, and I strive for his level of generosity and his no-nonsense work ethic every single day. <laughs> um, and then on my mother's side, I'm actually a fourth-generation New Yorker. Um, so my great-grandfather was born in Flushing, New York in 1921. <laughs> and he was so New York that he drove a yellow taxi cab. Okay? Wow. That's how New York Papa was. (laughs) Um, And it took me a long time to figure out how my grandmother was able to drive in the city so effortlessly. I was like, what is this? How do you know how to drive in Manhattan? Like, You got this, you know, she's dipping. I'm like, "Okay, let me find out. Um, And it wasn't until I was a teenager and learned what my great grandfather did that I began to understand it. And so to this day, Papa, what we call my great grandfather, is the reason why I will never take an Uber in Manhattan. I will always hail a yellow cab. Um, And so, Papa begot Patsy, um, a feisty, funny, former hot pants wearing, big afro having nurse from the Bronx. (laughs) Um, And she begot my mother and her sister, both equally feisty, and a teacher and public interest lawyer respectively. And they have also two of the biggest hearts I've ever seen. Those are some of the people who've shaped me as a person. And so my path as an adult is no surprise to me, now knowing fully who I come from. Um, So I started my career in the Bronx DA's office, um, which to many of my friends of color was blasphemy. They could not understand why I wanted to take that on as a career. Um, But for me, I went there with the intention of using my power as an assistant district attorney To hold police officers to account for their actions as they were engaging with citizens of color here in New York City. Um, I also did it to be able to offer people who were a part of the criminal justice system alternatives to incarceration that I thought would help them. And so after three years of doing what I set out to do, I made the transition to the organization that I work for now, which is called Legal Outreach. Um, It's a nonprofit organization that uses law as a tool to foster vision and develop skills and inspire young people from poorly resourced public schools and underserved communities throughout the city to pursue higher education. Um, So that's what I do currently. And even though I'm in Brooklyn now, I was born and raised in Queens. I spent two years living in North Carolina finishing out my undergraduate degree before I came back to New New York for law school. Go Red Storm. St. John's, yeah! (laughs) Um, So I only moved to Brooklyn after I graduated. Um, So in truth, I too am a Brooklyn transplant. Um, (laughs) I will say, though, that there are some traits that us New Yorkers, New Yorkers, have in common, right? There's some things that whether you're from Queens, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Staten Island, even. (laughs) Sorry, 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 sorry. We have problems with, we're going to work it out. There's some traits that we all share, right? But I think I've acclimated to being a Brooklynite very well. Um, So it didn't take me long to figure out the main difference between Brooklyn and Queens as a Queens girl. Um, And the the main difference is that Brooklynites have an immense amount of pride. Y'all are proud of y'all borough, y'all do not play. If you're from Brooklyn, you're telling everyone you can. Where am I from? I'm from Brooklyn. It's not a game. And I get it, there are a lot of great things in Brooklyn. So let's kind of recap some of the greatness of Brooklyn. Really quickly, we got the Brooklyn Bridge, right? One of the oldest suspension bridges in the country, the first steel wire suspension bridge in the world. Uh, We have the Brooklyn Dodgers, noted for signing Jackie Robinson, right? In In 1947, first black player in the major leagues. We have everyone's favorite, the Cyclone. Yeah, now listen. I'm going to tell you all something, OK? It doesn't matter that it was built in the 1920s. you got to ride the cyclone, OK? That fear and that immediate regret is part of the experience, <laughs> OK? We don't know what's going to happen when you get on it, but you got to try it, OK? So we have the cyclone. Um, and then I would be remiss if I didn't mention a few things from my foodies out there. So we got Peter Luger, where bacon is an appetizer, OK? Um, and, of course, we have one of my favorites, and B. Spumoni Gardens. Go get you some pizza, yeah. I live close to there, so if you ever want some pizza, we can hang out, go have LB B., and talk about life. Um, so Brooklyn has some, some really, really cool stuff. Um, but that still didn't answer the main question that I was asked to talk about, which is how do you make Brooklyn home? And so, you know, the way I research things nowadays is to go on Google. Used to be encyclopedias and we advanced to libraries. Now we backtracked. We don't remember anything. We just type it in Google. Um, And so I literally Google searched making a new city home. (laughs) And a New York Times article popped up with five tips that I was like, all right, I guess guess these are okay, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. But they did get me thinking. Um, And then the new question that popped into my mind was what is the thing that makes a place home? And so one word came to mind for me, and that word was care. In the best case scenario, we care about our home, uh, we care about what our home looks like, we care about what happens to our home, and we care about the people that we share our home with. Um, And so with that in mind, um, I'd like to today speak to you all about a familiar story, but one that I think does answer this question of how do we make Brooklyn home? Um, So we're going to be going through the parable of the Good Samaritan, but I want to give you a little bit of background first so that we can kind of center ourselves. So a religious scholar wants to test Jesus, and he asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus, being who he is, tosses it back to him. And he says, so what does the law of Moses say? And the man replies, love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, right, go and do that and you'll live. Then the man takes it one step further and he asks, who is my neighbor? Okay, so that's what we're gonna go through today. So if you do have your Bibles or your Bible apps, we're reading from Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. And it'll be up. So Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him And departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and do likewise. There's even a version that reads for that last sentence, go and constantly do the same. So when I read this parable, I reflected on the question that God posed to the scholar. And I thought to myself, each of these people involved actually seems like a neighbor to me in a way, but not all of them were good neighbors, which is what I think we're called to be. So I thought about this because in my own life, there are moments where I can be each starting with the robbers. There are times when my actions or my inactions, even if they're not intentional, can cause harm to others. And then thinking about the priest and the Levite, who's essentially a temple assistant, so another person who's like within the church. Um, That was significant to me because, you know, we hear the phrase love thy neighbor as thyself a million times. It's not something That's uncommon to us. We know this calling, but even knowing that and knowing what we should do to show the love of Christ, sometimes I'm guilty of seeing things from afar and walking away and not doing what I can. And maybe it's because I'm afraid because sometimes I am. Maybe it's because I feel ill-equipped because sometimes things seem way too big for me to even be able to make any difference. Sometimes it's just because I'm running late to work. Um, but I've definitely been there. But then juxtaposing them with the Good Samaritan, I thought that that was also interesting. So within that, it's important to note that the Jews and the Samaritans doing anything for one another was taboo, right? That wasn't like something that that went down. So Jesus Christ's use of the Samaritan in that parable in and of itself was shocking, okay? So we have this story of this Samaritan, this person who, him and Jews are not, a thing that happens, he's journeying, he sees this man laid out in the street and he had compassion for him. He started cleaning his wounds, he binds them up. And it says that he was on a journey. And so he gets off of his mechanism, which I'm guessing is probably a donkey or something like that. Uh, (laughs) Let's go with donkey. (laughs) He gets off his donkey, he puts the person who was beaten onto it and then walks him to an inn where he continues to care for him. And then he gives money to the innkeeper and says, keep taking care of him. And whatever you spend, when I come back, I'll repay you. So this Samaritan, despite his difference, despite maybe, maybe even you know, understanding what happened to the robber, whether or not it was a mutual fight and this guy just lost, like not knowing any of that information, he saw someone in need and he tried to help. And I would also note that even in that moment, he didn't think that he was the ultimate savior. The Samaritan in that moment still enlisted the help of someone else. He too recognized that he couldn't do it by himself. And so he asked the innkeeper to help him. So Jesus's response to the religious scholar was to go and do likewise. And I think that's important because we know that Jesus Christ isn't just any other person, right? We're talking about the son of God, right? So this was a divine order, one which admittedly can seem daunting, but truly it has really, really simple instructions that I think the Samaritan demonstrated well. It's not to save the world, but if we were to look at Micah chapter six and verse eight, it's very simply to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So the parable demonstrates our call to act out of a desire to relieve suffering. And it also says that we should be motivated by compassion, which is just concern for the suffering and the misfortunes of others. And we're not called to just take pity, but to act which is the main difference between what the priest and the Levite did and what the Samaritan did. So in my mind, showing mercy or caring for the city or borough that we live in and the people we live there with is one of the most important ways that we can make Brooklyn home. So we want this mandate coming from Christ to become more of a symbiotic part of the fabric of who we are as a church community. Um, So in thinking about this, I was also drawn to Matthew. It's in chapter 25, verses 35 through 40. And it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And I would note in this passage, it doesn't say I was hungry and you solved world hunger. It doesn't say I was thirsty and you figured out how to make sure that everyone in the world can drink. Uh It doesn't say I was a stranger and you invited everyone you could that you didn't know to your house. It's very small, simple steps that we can engage in to show the love of Christ. This is why Hope Brooklyn has a justice team or justice ministry. Because we recognize that even though being compassionate neighbors is important to us personally, it's also really, really, really important to God. It's evidence of our relationship with him. Because what we do for the least of those, we do for him. So as we go into the new year, our goal is to make justice, showing mercy, and being good neighbors a part of the fabric of Hope Brooklyn. So using a head, heart, and hands model, we're going to be providing opportunities to educate one another about different issues and injustices that may be impacting Brooklyn and the ways that we can help positively affect change. We're gonna fortify our current partnerships and forge new relationships with organizations in the borough that are serving its people. And we're gonna be physically a part of that mission through good old-fashioned manual labor in the service of others for the good of our home, okay? And I wanna remind everyone, because I often have to remind myself of this just in my day-to-day work, that compassion and service can be daunting. It's not easy. But if we first make Jesus our home, then we can do anything. He is Jehovah Jireh. And he will provide us whatever we need to help live up to his mandate. So I have a really awesome quote from Martin Luther King that I really enjoy. Um, It comes from one of the last sermons he gave, maybe the last sermon. I think that's the last sermon he gave. He said, and so Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. If you wanna be important, wonderful. If you wanna be recognized, wonderful. If you wanna be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. And this morning, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You only need a heart full of grace a soul generated by love and you can be that servant. So I'd like to um, invite the band to come back up as I end with a story about a woman named Mary. So I take the G train to work and there's an older woman who is often on that train who's a panhandler And there came a point where I hadn't seen her for a while, for about a month. Um, And one day, I'm coming out of Trader Joe's, I think, or leaving church, and I go down into the Bergen Street station, and I see her sitting on the bench. And I didn't expect to feel so overcome with relief when I saw her, but I was, because she had become a part of my life. I asked her how she'd been. I told her I hadn't seen her in a while and I was worried. And she told me that she had been in the hospital with pneumonia. Then she showed me a cupcake that someone gave her. And as the train pulled in, she said to me, I have to go to the back of the train because I don't want to be around other people. Before she left, I asked for her name. And she said her name was Mary. Mary always says the same thing when she gets on the train. It's a simple but very real plea in which I hear the voice of God, a call to action. And sometimes our act of mercy is as simple as saying yes to this. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm hungry and homeless, and I'm trying to get a bite to eat. I would take a bottle of water or a piece of fruit. I could use either or. A little bit of kindness goes a long way when you have nothing. Would anyone care to help? So my question to you today is will you join Hope Brooklyn and answer that simple call? You don't have to do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. But together, as a community and with God, we can be good neighbors. Through our care, we can make Brooklyn Our home. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for giving us these words today. I want to thank you for your scriptures, Lord God, that lay out for us what your call is and how we can live up to that, Lord. I thank you in advance, Lord God, for the strength that you will give each and every person whose heart feels pulled by this to step out and help, to help us as a community and a church to be good neighbors. We thank you, Lord, for your strength and for your mandate. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to this week's sermon. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn, details about Sunday worship and brunch, to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, Visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.